start this morning by talking about the title of this sermon, which is Tidings of Comfort and Joy, which I'll be honest is a tough one. It's a, it's a tough title. It's a tough sentiment. It's a tough one to preach through despite all the things that are going on. I'm also keenly aware of the fact that you might not actually know what all is going on here. Some of you may be visiting for the first time, which would make for a very interesting intro to this church. The stage is brightly decorated. Everything feels like Christmas, and we're in here telling kids to tell other people, do not be afraid. Anybody here for the first time? Okay, good. Anybody have any, like, no clue why anybody might be down? Because that would help, too. Okay, good. You're all up to speed. That, that helps a little bit. Um, so maybe you understand, too, what it means to say tidings of comfort and joy are hard to come by today. Because for us, it's Christmas, but other than the fact that it's really cold outside and there's a little bit of snow, it's really hard to tell. It's hard to tell that it is Christmas because here's what we're up against. I'm going to give you a play-by-play. I'm going to start at the end of November, and I'm going to walk you basically up until today. Because our community is hurting. Our community is uh, feeling wrecked by a lot of things that are going on. And I'll just walk you through some of them. Um, Starting November 30th, November 30th, and then again on December 3rd, we learned that Johnny Barton lost his great-grandmother, and his great-grandfather over those two days. Unfortunately, the family is reeling from that. We're told that William's taking it pretty hard, and it's always tough to see a a kid lose a great-grandparent that he was close to. November 30th and December 3rd. Then again on December 3rd, Jeff, our senior pastor, tests positive for COVID after coming back from his trip. I was told he's feeling better. He was texting me before. I didn't ask him. I guess I could talk to him now. Jeff, I hope you're feeling better because I know you're watching at this point. December 4th or somewhere around there, Michael, I may have this one off, so maybe you can correct me, but Nathan, Shannon, and Calvin Warner all test positive for COVID as well. I'm told they have mild symptoms. Shannon still got a pretty bad cough. Is that about the timeline, Michael, around there? All right. December 5th, I had had this in the announcements, but we learned that Dalton Drain died from complications due to COVID. Lost one of our own, someone close to this family, many families in our congregation, uh, related to Jared, our worship leader, related to Aliyah. And uh, it's a a big loss for us to know that, that COVID took him down. December 6th, some of you may know this, Rex Bell, another pastor from our conference, had a valve replacement surgery for um, an aortic um, aneurysm. He apparently passed out while he was operating a motor vehicle. His car hit a guardrail. He had people inside the car. Thankfully, everyone was all right. But it was a signal that something else was going on. And so he went and looked at it. And it turns out he needed a valve replacement. And he went in December 6th to have that surgery. December 7th, Mary Rose Force, who is Gary Force's wife, who we know from 
uh, our conference as well. His wife died from complications due to COVID on December 7th. The same day that uh, our very own Becky de Oliveira, former first lady of this church, uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor and she went into the ER. Uh, thankfully, Jonah was there to make sure she got in safely and uh, they went and took a look and they found a brain tumor. And we're still waiting for the full story. They went in um, two days ago and uh, pulled some of it out, sent it to pathology, and we're waiting for word on what that means. Um, but it doesn't mean much in the way of good things. It means more in the way of struggles and big questions. And so we're praying with Becky, starting on the 7th till today. Then on the 8th, after Becky's surgery, I got a text from Matt West, who's running sound for us today. Found out that his sister Fiona West was involved in a serious car accident. In that car accident, she walked away with some bumps, some bruises, some scrapes. Unfortunately, in the car accident, she lost her support animal who was in the car with her. And so we're having a memorial service for her puppy, Henry, later today here in Boulder. It's the 11th. And that's been us over the past couple of weeks. And so I say again, it's Christmas, but it sure doesn't feel like it. And the other thing is, there's more. There's so much more. There's stuff that we can't tell you about. There's stuff that they've asked uh, to keep confidential. But we know about them. We know about upcoming biopsies. We know about other members who are dealing with COVID right now. We know about hospitalizations. We know about house fires. We know about cancer diagnoses. And so we're praying for them as well. And those are the ones that I know about. And so I ask now, horrified to think that there are answers, but who did I miss? Did we miss anybody? Who are we not praying for right now? And I mean that as a, not as a rhetorical question. I mean as a genuine question. I've been to uh, Jewish Shabbos, Sabbath services where they shout out their prayers and they just give time for people to, to speak them out. And so if there's someone we've missed, if there's somebody who should be on the list, I brought a pen I have an empty post-it note, and I'll add them to the list because this, while it is the, the message segment of this sermon, this is where we're going to pray, and I want to make sure we're covered. I want to make sure that everybody is counted amongst the group of people that we should be praying for. So I ask in earnest, who do we miss? If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Somebody is uh, looking at the chat right now. Angelina can just shout it down uh, from there. If anybody comes in, who did I miss? Who should be on this list? It can be specific, non-specific. You can give names. You could just give relationships. Anybody not on the list that should be? Jasmine Johnson's on the list. Who else? Matthew's aunt, Tammy Little, is on the list. Who else? Vicki, who do you got? Oh, sorry, Don, you're right above her head. I 
For those that didn't hear it, Don just said, your 10-year-old cousin, is that right? Diagnosed with a brain tumor. Still trying to work through what all that means. More details to come there. Also, his uh, contact at the Red Cross was talking about the victims of the tornadoes that hit in the Midwest in Kentucky. Potentially 100 people killed in that tragedy. Who else? Russ. Who? Jacob's son. Anybody else? Alyssa, what do you got? Japheth, you're way closer. Can you relay that for me with your booming voice? Okay, now I understand it. One more time, Kareen. All right. Anybody I missed? Sunita? Good. Sunita's mom is on the list. Anybody I haven't called out yet? Hands that I don't see? It's a big list. It's a big enough list that it made it necessary for us to skip the prayer request earlier, not because of some sort of negligence, but because I knew we were going to need some more time. I knew that it was a big enough list that we needed to take a minute. And like I said, this is an abridged service today, but not so short that we're not going to pray together. Not so short that we're not going to take a moment. And so I'm going to divvy this list up, and we're going to do it um, silently at first. So I've got these lists of uh, names that are here. And again, this is, a, this is not a, a rhetorical question, but I'm just going to read these names out, and I just want to see hands. And I don't mean just one hand, and then you'll be in charge of it. I mean, if you feel the need to pray for this person, let me just see that hand so that we know. And you might not know all the details. You may just know a name, but I want to know that somebody's praying for them. Again, if you're watching online, put it in the chat. Say that you're praying for this person. Who's praying for the Bartons? Who's praying for Jeff this morning, our senior pastor? I need somebody praying for the Werners. How about the, the Drains, the Staffords, the Kings? Somebody pray for them. Thank you. How about Rex Bell? Somebody pray for our fellow pastor. Gary Force and his family. Somebody praying there. Who's praying for the De Oliveras? Who's praying for Becky this morning? How about Fiona? Good. Now, here are the ones that we didn't have. I need somebody to pray for Jasmine Johnson, for whatever that prayer is, is needed for. How about Matthew Klein's aunt, Tammy Little? I need somebody praying there as well. Thanks, Alyssa. I need somebody praying for Don's 10-year-old cousin with a brain tumor. Good. Balconies playing as well. How about the victims of the tornadoes in Kentucky? Somebody praying there? Will somebody pray for Jacob's son? How about Kareen Wendland? Somebody to pray there. And we need somebody to pray for Sunita's mom. You got your assignments? We're just going to silently pray, pray for a, a moment. We'll pray together corporately. And then we're going to do something to, um, 
to close that out, I'm going to invite Kensley to come back up. And she's going to sing for us. And then we'll continue on with the message afterwards. But let's pray together. Father God, you've heard our prayers. You know how heavy the hearts are in this room. You know that through the immense silence that so many words have been spoken to you. Words hoping that something good is coming. Hopes that the worst is not to come. God, in this time, in this place, with these people, we just ask you to be here in whatever way is possible. In all of these spots, God, we need nothing short of a miracle. And so we ask for it boldly, knowing that you've done it before, knowing you can do it again. For this community, for the people connected to us, for the network of friends and family and colleagues, we just ask for peace, for healing, for change, for good news. Hear our prayers. Amen. Christ to thee with God the Father, I 
Amen. Thank you, Kensley. So this would be a really good time for the pastor to come up, rally and cry, a speech to bring us all together, thinking like a high school coach with his team down 30 points at the half. I tell everybody to come together, take a knee, give a rousing speech on how we can, we can make it through this. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. But if I'm honest with you, my eyes are cloudy and my heart is heavy and we can't seem to catch a break as a community and we're losing badly. And so in that same vein, I don't think I'm gonna try and rally us. I don't know that I can have a speech within me. Right now, all of my conversations have war analogies in them. That's usually not a good sign as we talk about like different battlefronts and so many different things and you go that way and I'll go this way. So instead, we're gonna do what we can when we can. And right now, we can gather. Even if just for an hour, we can gather. And we can pray. Even if just for a, mu- for a few moments, we can pray. And we can turn to scripture. Even if only for a few verses, we can turn to scripture. And so we're gonna do that. We're gonna turn to Luke 2. We're gonna go where Patty led us this morning, starting in verses one, and we'll go through verse seven. We'll hop around a bit, and we'll talk about the story that we find here. Luke chapter two. We'll start with the Christmas story. And as you heard Patty read, this is the Christmas story. This is a story of Christ's birth. I'll read it again. It says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to the firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. This is the Christmas story. This is the Christmas story, but without all the tinsel, without all of the stars and the lights, this is just the Christmas story. And if we pair it all the way back, the Christmas story is really about two young, scared kids out on a road trip, traveling far away from home, and without a proper bed, without a hospital, without doctors, they gave birth to a baby inside of a barn. Now for some reason, every single month, every year, our society has decided to tell this story repeatedly, worldwide, ever since we started counting time forwards. This is the story we chose. Now, if we look at it today, wow, what a story, right? It's amazing what they went through to get to where they are today. But I think about it for a moment from their perspective then. 
when it happened, I am not so sure those two people wanted that story to be told over and over again. Because unfortunately, that's not where the story fully leaves off. The story doesn't stop there because we know that Joseph, who is fresh off of a panic attack, finding out that he is going to be delivering the baby that, you know, just happens to be the most important birth ever, is now in his hands. Now he's looking for reprieve. Now that he's gone through this moment, he just asks God, will you just send someone? And you know who shows up? Three complete strangers. Doctors? No. Shepherds. Luke 2, verse 16 says, the shepherds went with haste to Mary and Joseph. So it's not just any shepherds. It's smelly, sweaty, tired shepherds. Shepherds who were summoned in the middle of the night to pop on over to a barn looking for a baby. And upon arrival, they find Mary having just given birth. They find Joseph panic-stricken, and they find the baby Jesus. I find this one the most interesting. Verse 18, it says, they all wondered what the shepherds had told him, which seems like a really polite way of saying they managed through this awkward social exchange. Because it further goes on in verse 19 to says that Mary treasured up all of these things, comma, pondering them in her heart, which I think might be the biblical equivalent of bless their hearts. Just having give birth to this baby in a barn, here come these three strangers, and they're like, we have a story to tell you. Oh, bless your hearts. Thanks for coming now and here. Just imagine that for a second. What must that have felt like, Mary and Joseph sitting inside of a barn, and then they hear this? Did you tell someone we were here? I don't think anybody knows we're here. Who is it? Uh, it's Nick and Ben, and Tim's here too. We don't know you. What do you want? We want to see the baby. Tim, shh. How do you know about the baby? An angel told us. Tim, quiet. You're going to freak him out. Can we come in? Should we let him in? Okay, just, just a moment. So, Ben and Nick and Tim, remind me again, why are you here? We heard about this. This? This. It was terrifying. Tim, don't say that. And then Nick tells him the story. I gave him names because they're not named in the Bible, so I gave him contemporary names. But we hear the story starting in verse 8, and he tells the story back. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
There with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. Nick tells him this story, which of course Tim needs him to tell the story about the sky choir afterwards. And I'm sure Joseph was concerned about that too. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, then what, says Joseph? Now we're here. Is that the kid? Yep. Nice. So now what? I don't know. That's all they told us. And then they left. And that's the Christmas story. They took off in verse 20. And it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And they just went back to work. Thankfully, that was the last challenge this family ever faced together. Unless you read Matthew 2, which we will. Matthew 2, starting in verse 7, flipping back a couple of more pages. 960, if you're using the Bible in your pew back. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained for them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, cough, cough, that I may come and worship him. So somewhere later, scholars aren't sure when this happened, somewhere probably after 40 days, but long before two years, bounty hunters with a contract from a king go to find Mary and Joseph in order to do unsavory things to him. So don't let anybody ever say the Bible's boring. We've got hitmen and wise men and shepherds and babies being born in the middle of the night. But similarly, don't settle for the fact that Christmas is wrapped in pretty paper. Because this is the Christmas tale, and unfortunately it's brutal. And something about that, especially this week, brings me hope that something good can come out of such a brutal tale. Hope in this case that's not tied to the comfort and joy, like the tuna licits while you've got a mug full of cocoa, you're on ice skates, you're under the glint of bright lights. But instead, hope in the comfort of knowing that hope arrived to the terribly uncomfortable. Hope that joy arrived to the downtrodden, the depressed, and the forlorn. Hope that somehow brings rest to the dismayed and the broken from all of the events that have caused their minds to spin wildly out of control. The gift of this hope is that it was entirely necessary for it to arrive to those who weren't sure that it was coming. The lyrics of this song, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, where I took the uh, title for today's sermon, when it's heard through the lens of those who are less than merry, when you think of it that way, you can think of this song as means to uplift, to uplift the bereft and broken, and not simply bolster people who are here having a party. The lyrics, God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
Remember Christ the Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. This identity of rest is built for the restless or else there wouldn't be need for a song. You don't have to remind the people who are well rested to rest again. This nothing that we're trying to dismay is for people who feel like they're drowning in everything. This call for remembrance is for the people who have forgotten, for those who have lost sight of God. This identity of being saved is for the lost, those who really are not in the place that they started, instead caught in a riptide of sorts that they can't seem to get themselves out of. And these tidings, this announcement of comfort and joy is not an announcement of what already is, but something that is to come. As a matter of fact, tidings comes from the English word tither, which is something forward-facing. It's something that's not here yet. And so these tidings of comfort and joy, while we don't feel them now, is an announcement of what is to come. And when you think of it that way, this Christmas carol is not uniquely designed for festively sweatered participants. It's more suited for a funeral or a wake amongst the sullen. If you think of this song less like Jingle Bells and more like Eric Clapton's Tears of Heaven or John Denver's Country Road or Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth's See You Again, the song takes a different turn. This song isn't for partygoers. This song is for us. This week especially, this song is for us. This song is a reminder that even when we can't see it, God is working. Even when we don't feel like it, God is near. Even when sleep and peace escape us, rest in Jesus is on the way. Even when we are overburdened, God is bringing encouragement. And even though we are lost, God is finding a way. Even we cannot hear it ourselves, God is already announcing that joy and comfort are arriving. And if I'm honest, I am struggling to see it myself. I don't feel it within me. I'm having a really hard time remembering the reason for this season. I'm tired. I'm dismayed. I'm lost. But that doesn't mean that the message isn't true. Even through those teary eyes, through the broken hearts and this losing mindset, God is working. Then and now, God is working. God is with us. I believe it because I have seen it in Scripture. Even when all seems lost and the darkness has overtaken the light, while Mary and Joseph struggled in the night, God was already sending angels miles away and they were being guided by a bright star that they had not noticed was hanging directly above them. Unbeknownst to this terrified family, God sent word to them 
through three complete strangers. Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. Words built not for the shepherds, but actually for the family. And the angel says, carry this message and take it to them. It says, fear not, hold on, because good news is here. Great joy is just ahead. Today, your family, this family, has brought the gospel to life. Because of you, God is with us. Hours before they were made aware of it, God was already working to bring glory to his name and to bring peace on earth. Matthew 2 it says, even though they, even they were sent as spies to locate a dissident who would suddenly be slaughtered to protect an unholy ruler, wise men were met in a dream. Weeks and months before they were sent on this mission, God spoke to their subconscious and planted the idea that they would not fulfill Herod's mission. And instead of informing on the family, they gave them gifts. They kept their secret. They protected their honor and their family. It doesn't appear as such bold a church, but God is with us here now. The Greeks had a term for this. It's called proleptic. Proleptic is understood to be the living in the space of the already, but the not yet. God is with us now, even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it. Just know that we don't see it and feel it yet. And so together, in this space, in this time, we wait in the state of prolepsis, living in the wake of the first advent, anxiously waiting for the second. When will he arrive? I don't know. But he's coming. He has already come. And he will surely come again. <laughs>